Welcome to Kibi on Liberty. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. So uh, I def- desperately wanted to have you back because the last time we spoke seems like a lifetime ago. It was, it was early yeah. April, and um, I'm becoming more and more obsessed with this this somewhat antiquated notion of the First Amendment <laughs> and why it might still matter. And uh, um, you're you're doing some really fantastic stuff now with this. Uh, the lawsuit with the attorneys general. So I want to I want to go through all that, um, but I, I just want to lay it out a little bit because because I've been saying almost since day one that that lockdowns and vaccine mandates and the entire COVID regime thing have violated just basic American principles. And 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 we're going to talk all about the First Amendment. You know, the right to speak speak your mind in the public square, but like other. Um, things that I guess are radical now, like the right to leave your house <laughs> and the right to have control over your own body and decide what you put in it yeah. and the right to go to work. Like these are, these are now considered like, I guess, uh, radical fringe philosophies. But, and these things are all related, I suspect, because yes. if, if we can't complain about these things, if we can't speak against them, if we can't actually say, you know what, these are... These are not only um, fundamentally un-American, but they're they're practically devastating for people. Then then you can't fight back against right. all this. Right. So um, you guys um, have joined the. Uh, this happened a while ago now, but you've joined the attorneys general uh, lawsuit against the Biden administration. Explain what the lawsuit is. Yeah, so it's against uh, a lot of named officials in the Biden administration and agencies. Um, The lawsuit is alleging that, so the attorneys general of Louisiana and Missouri are bringing it on behalf of their citizens. Uh, Then we are representing four private plaintiffs, and that's uh, Gianta Bhattacharya, Martin Kuhldorf, uh, Aaron Cariotti, and Jill Hines, the first two some people might know because they uh, co-authored the Great Barrington Declaration. So yeah, Jay, Jay was just on the show oh, a great. couple weeks ago. I'll have to watch it was that. A fantastic conversation. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite people. I, uh, so they're alleging um, that they were censored on social media and that the censorship was not done because the private companies wanted to do it, the social media companies wanted to. They're alleging that it was done because of, of the government, ultimately. Um, and the allegations are based on, first of all, there was sort of a public campaign of intimidation where officials in the Biden administration and the president himself were making statements saying the social media companies are killing people by not censoring, quote unquote, misinformation about COVID and vaccines. Um, we're going to. Yeah, Biden himself said. Yes. And I think he called out Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, um, he called out Facebook. I think they, they've talked about Twitter, too. I mean, and yeah. more generally. Um, and then they've even threatened things like criminal liability or alluded to it, which is absurd. But, um, you know, so operating in these conditions, the social media companies are under an enormous pressure to uh, censor people. And they've gone quite far in doing so. So they aren't, you know, only censoring people who've said things like the vaccines have a microchip, which is, you know, demonstrably false. But also people who say, you know, maybe the vaccines aren't very good at stopping transmission. Maybe kids don't need the vaccine. Uh, maybe people should be able to make their own judgments about this. And, uh, you know, so these four plaintiffs, as well as a lot of other people, have been censored. And that's what the lawsuit is about. Um, and since that, when was that originally filed? You guys joined in early August. 
Yes, uh, that was filed in May. Okay. Weirdly, the same day that uh, my very similar lawsuit on behalf of three suspended Twitter users was dismissed in Ohio. So. Yeah, and we talked yeah. about that last time somewhat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, and it's sort of the, and this is a different subject, but it's a luck of the draw. You get a judge that might be sympathetic to your perspective or not, and there's a lot of politics in sure but in of the course judiciary. that's true but of course you can pick your jurisdiction uh, somewhat strategically and have a better chance at, yeah. <laughs> at a good outcome um so um so much has happened since uh, may obviously and and there's it's not just a trickle it's almost a fire hose of information demonstrating in fact that the biden administration government officials federal government officials have um made these companies again and again offers that they couldn't refuse and, yeah. and that that's sort of i've debated this from day one like is this social media companies with a political agenda um but with COVID, it seemed so much more than that and you have senators like elizabeth warren saying i'm, I'm going to nationalize you guys yeah um and that that's a that's a threat yeah that's a yeah. that's a threat so right. when when a government official says hey um take that down it's not it's not a request so much as an order because you you could you could get regulatory action from the administration you could get um, legislative initiatives and you could just have them a la fauci and collins just trash you right um, right all of which has happened right so you're right that uh since may a lot more information has come out and there it's mostly emails uh some from dhs some from cdc and then actually even more agencies than we had realized showing this real coordinated it, I won't, I'll use the word coordinated, but with a caveat <laughs> for now, um, coordinated campaign between the government and the tech companies to censor people who disagree with the government. I call, I call, it, collu I call it collusion. I don't yeah, know if that's a legal term. Yeah, I mean, what I'm trying, what I want to um, make sure people understand is that given the power imbalance, you know, it's not really cooperation. It's not that the tech companies, tech companies really want to do this. It's that they're being threatened by the government. They're afraid of the consequences. And, you know, sort of like if a mafia guy comes into your house and right. you know, <laughs> makes a request, quote unquote. I mean, uh, so given that context, um, I see it as very coercive and obvious First Amendment violation. So these emails have really exposed, um, uh, you know, the government telling the social media companies specific posts to take down, specific topics to take down. There are even like bi-monthly, Facebook has these emails revealed, the ones that I, I just... Uh, we just released this morning, bi-monthly uh, reports to uh, senior White House officials about what kind of misinformation is spreading so that they can coordinate their efforts to tamp down on it. Um, and one of the most shocking revelations, I think, and this was actually revealed a few weeks ago by Alex Berenson, not our lawsuit, um, was that he was specifically targeted, Alex Berenson, by people in the White House. And there were emails between Twitter uh, employees saying that the White House had posed tough questions about why Alex Berenson um, hadn't been suspended, that they didn't think he'd violated any rules, but they'd figure out what they could do. And they used the word mercifully. Mercifully, we had answers for them, but we couldn't answer this one question. You don't use the word mercifully. Right. If, <laughs> if you're not afraid. Yeah. That's not a yeah. game, game of Thrones, right? But yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and that is a specific person who was censored directly because of the government. So that's like the most, I would say that's the hardest evidence so far. But there are, uh, there are still, I mean, major First Amendment claims. For instance, um, you know, even if no specific person can show that they were censored, not everybody's going to be able to make out the case that Alex Berenson can. 
then First Amendment law, there's something known as a chilling effect. So if you're afraid to say things because you fear the consequences, losing your Twitter account or whatever it might be, um, that's a First Amendment violation in and of itself. There's also a corollary to the First Amendment uh, right to speak a lot of people don't know, which is the right to receive information. So you have the right to hear the views of Jay Bhattacharya and Alex Berenson, and the government is depriving you of that right. So we've all been deprived of the right to hear Alex Berenson's views. So anybody, I think, could bring that claim. Speaking of which, um, <laughs> speaking of chilling effect, um, um, you were, maybe it was Ron Paul first. Logan, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, your conversation that we had last time was in fact flagged by Facebook which it, wa- it wasn't a strike for us because we didn't have any, oh, yeah. but um, um, you did that to us. I don't, I don't even know what you said. You, I think you were saying crazy things like uh, freedom of speech still matters in this country. Um, yeah. So the, the other, um, you're, you're in good company because uh, a Ron Paul video was taken down. Oh. Um, even, I think it was in uh, 2020. Oh, wow. Um, but we, we try not to say unsubstantiated things, yeah. and it's just not my style. But uh, yeah, chilling effect. Like I've, I've had to, to think. Yeah. In real time, like should we even go down this rabbit hole, which is is contrary to everything that podcasts are about. Like you're supposed right. to explore ideas, and you're you're allowed to say wrong things because you're in the process of trying to figure stuff out. Exactly. Actually, I had a personal example. I was locked out of Twitter for the first time earlier this week because I had tweeted something. There was uh, something going around about how the UK had rescinded its recommendation for pregnant women to get the vaccine. And it was based on some text from a from the government website. I had looked at it and I was convinced um, it said, you know, due to unknowns about toxicity, we're not recommending the vaccine for pregnant women. Um, I, you know, tweeted it out at night, got a lot of attention in the morning. I looked and there were some what I thought seemed to be valid uh, contestations of that interpretation. It looked as though maybe that was a boilerplate thing that was from earlier, not whatever. The point was someone reported it it was I was locked out of my account. It's tag misleading. And, you know, I care a lot about being uh, accurate. So I actually spent like two hours that morning, you know, frantically trying to figure out what was going on. I consulted a bunch of my doctor friends, had to go to work and like still hadn't figured it out. But I was prepared to, you know, issue some kind of tweet correcting myself. In the meantime, they locked me out. And What's the point of that? I mean, people can respond. I saw the responses. I would have been responsive to the responses. Right, yeah. It's, uh, but just shutting down debate like this is extremely unhelpful. Yeah, and it's, this, this goes down a different direction. But the, the very notion of misinformation suggests that there's like a set objective set of facts that are indisputable, never change, um, regardless of, of what we've learned since yesterday. And I, I've... I've as a libertarian, I believe uh, quite um, adamantly that the best way to check min- misinformation and, and, and learn about things is to have that give and take. Um, because if you, like, if, if Twitter was free, and it's, it's not, but if Twitter was free and you said something dumb, there's going to be a lot of people that yeah. would, love, they would love to correct you. They would yeah. take great joy in that. And and to me, the the idea of shutting down the conversation and, and outsourcing that to, to fact checkers, or in this case, we're discovering um, government officials with an agenda, um, it's it's anti knowledge. Yeah, and that's you know why we have a First Amendment. The framers of the Constitution understood all of this and had you know extensive philosophical debates about it, and they were clearly wiser than the people who govern us today. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, if, well, that's that's an understatement. We'll, we'll probably get flagged for understating that. Yeah. Fact, but, 
<laughs> I want to go back to Alex Berenson because I, I assume you watched the Joe Rogan episode where where he laid out some of this stuff. And if if you didn't, I didn't actually. I um, you know, he um, maybe maybe you know the answer to this. I don't. I don't exactly remember. But um, not only did he win his lawsuit, but in the process, he got some sort of data dump of emails yeah. that he's been sharing ever since, showing specific examples of specific people in the White House talking to specific people in social media companies saying, go yeah. after that guy. Yeah. Is that, is, did, um, and maybe you don't know, but did he get that information by actually um, doing the lawsuit? Was yeah. that the purpose so of that's, it? Yeah, that, those are the emails I was referring to earlier where he was singled out by Twitter, yeah. uh, sorry, by the government. Um, and uh, he, so he got that as part of discovery that the judge ordered, which is part of you know my point with, uh, I've, I've made this point at other times, my Ohio lawsuit, which was dismissed, the judge said, basically, well, you can't prove that your plaintiffs were censored because of the government. Um, Twitter might very well have censored them on their own. They did some censoring before the Biden administration became involved. It was a lot less. But, you know, you, so, but if you don't, you know, if you dismiss it at that stage, we don't get to discovery. We can't get the documents that we need. And it's my position, and I will uh, maintain it <laughs> through, through the appeal, that, you know, there was enough on the record. There were, were enough public statements to make the inference that this was, hap- was happening and to allow us to get to discovery. Yeah, and that's and we we sort of walked through all that last time. Um, yeah, the um, Surgeon General uh, Vivek Murthy, Murthy, yeah, Murthy. I yeah. always screw that up. Um, and the White House Press Secretary um, Jen Psaki at yeah. the time, and 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 Biden himself. Yeah, all yeah. said we're we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> seems like enough to actually explore whether or not there's evidence that they're doing. It. You would think. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's really something else, and and now we have not just and, and by the way, is the loss is a lawsuit specifically about COVID misinformation. So the one in Missouri is not; it's broader. Okay. Uh, it encompasses COVID, uh, but also election uh, misinformation. You know, misinformation. <laughs> um, the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, uh, climate. <laughs> Yeah. climate misinformation. Uh, so it's quite broad. And actually, some of the most interesting stuff I saw in Discovery was related to the election, um, election so-called misinformation. There are um, often state or local government officials sending t- tweets or Facebook posts that are supposedly misinformation to DHS people, who then send it to Facebook or Twitter and say, take this post down, it's misinformation. Um, that's quite coordinated and direct yeah. <laughs> government involvement in censoring specific people. Thank you for joining me today on Kibbe on Liberty and for being part of our fiercely independent audience. Every week, my organization, Free the People, partners with Blaze TV to bring you this show. My guests bring smart perspectives on everything from current events to timeless philosophical debates. If you like what you hear, go to freethepeople.org KOL and support Kibbe on Liberty so we can continue to produce these honest conversations with interesting people. Now let's get back to it. So um, a- another bombshell. I, th- I, th- I think the Alex Berenson stuff must bolster your case. Um, yeah. This this must help you make make your argument. But um, does the fact so another I watched Joe Rogan um, and so Mark Zuckerberg from mm, fa- Facebook yeah. Meta I guess it's called now said um, about the Hunter Biden laptop story. Yeah, the FBI pointed out to us, and they're, well, he, he says it, 
in somewhat guarded terms. They're, they're still a credible organization. Um, but he's basically <laughs> saying the government said this is a problem. Yeah. We complied. Is that is that relevant to your case? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so I think because that was new, it's not currently in it, but we're probably going to amend the complaint again and that will go in. And then uh, we're continuing to make new discovery requests based on what we learned. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> and I know I know you're your uh, co-counsel or whatever, what is your title in this lawsuit? Um, yeah, I guess you could say co-counsel. It's the Missouri Attorney General is really leading the case and he's really, he's an, an incredible attorney. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really yeah. impressed. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I say that knowing that this is a live case and there's probably yeah. certain things that you can't say or don't want to get into. Um, and now I've forgotten the um, bombastic <laughs> question I was going to ask you that you probably can't answer. But it's about, um, oh, here's, here's, this is a speculative question, which may not be something you want to talk about. Um, why was Mark Zuckerberg throwing the FBI under the bus? Um, <laughs> Clearly, he did it on purpose. Like, he's, he's a smart guy, and he's, he, he must have anticipated this question. And yeah. he, he basically said, oh, those guys told me to do it. We speculated a little bit that they might have actually known that this be, we, that we were going to release the discovery this week, and that they, some of this was going to <laughs> start coming out, so that it might have been a preemptive move. So he's cleaning his closet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem to be snowballing into something that appears to be um, more truthful than things we knew a year ago when this stuff was. Oh happening. yeah. Yeah. You mean so, the Hunter Biden story yeah. itself? Yeah. Well, or the, yes, yeah. but all of it. Yeah. And the, the idea that they're going to monitor what's true and false in an election is, it, it's just incomprehensible to me. I don't, yeah. I don't know how you explain that without, the only way they can do that is to choose a side. Right. Because sometimes politicians don't tell the truth. <laughs> Shockingly. Yeah. And, and the whole point of an election is for voters to sort out what they believe is true and not true. Yeah. Um, but now we're going to have fact checkers do it? I know. And I sort of, so when I was going through these thousands of pages of discovery, you know, I saw a lot of like uh, tweets that were being flagged by the government and sent to Twitter or Facebook to take down. And, you know, some you're like, okay, so this vaccine has microchips or, you know, everyone who gets the vaccine is going to die in five years or something like that. It's probably not true. Um, and you can understand maybe why we don't want, you know, that's not ideal speech, but then, you know, it starts to, they start to ask about tweets or, you know, ask them to take down tweets that are much more, first of all, sometimes expressing an opinion, like, uh, maybe kids shouldn't get the vaccine because the risk of the vaccine outweighs the risk of the flu, which I think is an open question at this point for kids. Um, and, you know, also just sheer opinions, uh, things that are still in the realm of scientific debate. And I think this sort of shows why you don't want the government involved in policing speech, because they clearly don't know how to draw the line. They, why, sh- why should I expect someone in the government to be able to draw the line better than I can? I mean, it's actually insulting to our intelligence as Americans. And I think I can say one of the things I really that really troubled me when I was reading these documents is they're so condescending. Like, they, there are these technocrats, <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't use that word, but they think we're all a bunch of idiots who yeah. need to be controlled and put in our place and kept, you know, um, quiet. And it, it really bothered me, the tone. But, to, but And that was true when it came to both the, the social media employees and the government, you know, this, this mentality. Yeah, like, but, but I... And, and Jay Bhattacharya says this a lot when um, he gets he gets fact-checked on 
Twitter. I yeah. follow him on Twitter. And, um, you know, I'm not a credentialist. I don't think that you have to have a PhD in X in order to right. opine on X. But um, it, it becomes particularly absurd when Jay Bhattacharya <laughs> and Martin Kaldorf are, are, are saying things that um, almost by definition early on in the pandemic would be speculative. Yeah. Because they're, they're trying to figure stuff yeah. out. And but that, of course, is what real science actually does. You, right. you, you propose theories and you test them <laughs> and then you get more information and you revise your theories and you move on and on. But it, it'd be fun. And this this probably isn't for you guys, but it'd be fun for somebody to line up the um, how their Twitter feeds stand up relative to the experts that were censoring them. Right three years into the pandemic yeah. because I, I can't think of anything that they said that was fundamentally wrong. Yeah. And if they did, I mean, how many things have Rochelle Walensky and Anthony Fauci said that were wrong? Right. <laughs> we understand people are wrong um, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of this uh, new bill in California that's poised to become law. The, uh, have you read about it? It's, um, it's basically doctors who give misinformation to patients or spread misinformation about the vaccines and other COVID-related matters are subject to discipline uh, by the state medical boards. Uh, I mean, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. misinformation is defined as anything that departs from the scientific consensus. Okay, what's the scientific consensus? Who decides what that is? <laughs> and not to mention, I mean, the idea that there was a consensus that lockdowns, masks, and vaccine mandates were a good idea is a false one. It was, you know, as we know, <laughs> people who dissented were silenced uh, and shamed. And, you know, Anthony Fauci got to just have it, have the country think that his view was the only one. Yeah. Um, that's that's fascinating as as I mean we've all um, been through the healthcare system we visited doctors and if you've ever had a, a serious health issue you will learn that there is no absolute right thing to do no. in order to treat something and they have these things called um, they're basically murder boards but they'll get together before surgery um, with the smartest people in the hospital and maybe they bring in outside guys and they're like how do how do we deal with this what should yeah. we do and you know you could you could take one path and do X, and I, I'm I'm speaking specifically of a personal experience. Um, some smart doctor decided not to treat me with a certain chemotherapy drug, um, which would and this was 20 years ago, so a long time ago. But it, but it would have permanently uh, decapacitated my ability to live life. Yeah. Um, but it was a bet. Like he's like, we're gonna go this way because yeah, he's young. Yeah. But if you know, if I'd been seventy, they might have said, "You know what? We better be extra careful and give him that too." Yeah. Um, so the idea—I I guess I read about this California thing, but the idea is just—it's um, dangerous. It's gonna—it's gonna, it's gonna it's cost extremely, lives. Extremely, extremely, yeah. and it's also—I mean—it's medically unethical because doctors have an obligation to give what they think is the best advice to their patients, and <laughs> they're restrained from doing that now. And this—you know—speaking of a chilling effect, this of course will have a massive chilling effect because doctors will be well. I don't know. Maybe someone can report me for this, so maybe I should just not say that. This yeah. is—I mean—I don't understand. <laughs> this it really enrages me. I really don't understand where these people come from. I don't no. understand how they get elected. This bill was proposed by a doctor. I don't know how you get through med school if <laughs> the critical thinking abilities are so limited. <laughs> well, it's um, I'm starting and and um, I, I do highly recommend you watch the show with Jay Bhattacharya, and I recommend yeah, I everybody to rewatch it if you already watched it because there was so much in there in terms of my struggle over the last three years to 
basically figure out what the hell are we doing here? Because it it's so out of the realm of what I expected in this. And and one of the things that that you start to realize is that this isn't this isn't really about um, dealing with a pandemic. It's about a worldview that wants to establish um, kind of kind of an elite. Um, set of people, probably mostly in government, that get to dictate from the top mm-hmm. down what's true and false, what's the right path and the wrong path, and it's 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 sort of a technocratic authoritarianism, and so um, one of the ways to think about um, the behavior of Fauci and Collins, going back to my conversation with Jay, um, something he taught me was that a lot of this funding and a lot of Fauci's power came out of the war on terror and there was a ma- there was a massive increase in NIAID funding oh. in I think 2002 oh, wow. um, because they were freaked out about bioterrorism oh. so you have this whole paradigm and I, I haven't fully fleshed this out I, I want to try to write this up in hopes that smart people run with it and try to piece this together but you have this whole paradigm where um, we're going to give all this money and power to a very select group of people to try to figure out how to respond to any conceivable bioterrorist mm-hmm. threat. And that's where that's where Wuhan comes yeah. from. That's where potential manipulation of viruses comes from. That's where harvesting viruses out of bat caves comes from. That they're that they're basically arrogantly thinking, well, if I identify them all and then we come up with a uh, government response to them all, we can save the world. Right. Um, right. Now that to me sounds evil. Yeah. But it, it sounds like something out of a science fiction thing, yeah. but it's it's probably just kind of this fatal conceit that they think they're that smart, yes. that, that and we can't, they can't, going back to your earlier point, we can't trust people yeah. to figure this stuff out yeah, for themselves. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, that, I mean, what you're saying exactly was like what I was thinking when I was reading those documents, the tone and the, and I think a lot of these people also, uh, the tech companies, um, are have the same mentality, you know. There's this, yeah, and it's smart people can be quite dangerous, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because they're just smart enough to think that they're smarter than they yeah. are, and that they could re. I mean, not to pick on Bill Gates, but let's do it anyway. Like, um, he thinks that the entire of humanity is some sort of like um, coding simulation <laughs> that he can yeah. sort of tweak, yeah. Um, and no doubt he's a lot smarter than I am, but I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. And so I, I'm, yeah. I'm starting to become particularly concerned about smart people that will publicly say I'm the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm the science. I, so I was gonna <laughs> that, who, somebody yeah, said yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, somebody said that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's, uh, that's exactly right. Um, that wasn't a question, so <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Um, I just had to get that off my chest. And hopefully somebody watching can, can piece this together. When you Google um, some, some basic concepts about, um, I did find an article from Fauci um, bragging about the doubling of NIAID funding. And it's in the context of, of the Republicans have taken over and he's worried that it's not going to double again. Oh, yeah. Um, so like um, ev- even he acknowledges that this happened. But this stuff is hard to find. Um, and I worry that perhaps um, Google search is, is oh, driving oh, me away from trying they, to figure out the story. They are definitely doing that. Yeah, uh, they are. And so, like Google had, uh, I think, downgraded like the Great Barrington Declaration. So it became very hard to find um, stuff like that. And 
I mean, I notice, you know, I'll, I'll be like writing an article and I want to link to like critics of lockdowns. I mean, there are tons of articles about that. I can't find anything. Right. Google search. Right. So yeah. I just know from, you know, practical experience that has to be happening. If you've made it this far into the show, it means I must be doing something right. Kibbe on Liberty is just one of the amazing products we created for the people. We tell emotionally compelling stories and produce educational videos for the Liberty Curious. Our award-winning documentaries personalize all things liberty, independence, creativity, hard work, integrity, and perseverance. After the show, check out our work at freethepeople.org. And if you like what you see, donate to support what we do. That's freethepeople.org. Now back to the show. Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad because I, I was one of those romantics that thought that the internet yeah. would, would cure all sorts of problems about the pursuit of knowledge, but yeah. maybe we get back to that. <laughs> so you get um, this this whole um, theory of basically about an unchecked administrative state. It feels like it's right up your organization's yeah, alley. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't remember if we've ever talked about it before, but why don't you give us a little bit more about what your organization is working on in terms of checking the arrogance of the administrative state. Yeah, so the organization is called the NCLA, or NCLA, uh, New Civil Liberties Alliance. And the sort of core principle is, the founding principle of the organization is that administrative agencies have gotten way too much power over the past couple of decades. And it's one of the greatest uh, reasons, or it's responsible for a lot of the constitutional infringements on Americans' uh, you know, rights, uh, civil liberties. Um, so we do, we do really an array of things and it's kind of uh it's kind of cool because it just depends on the lawyer's interests so like i'll have a, an interest in i have an obviously an interest in the COVID stuff so i've you know done these cases which tend to focus on the cdc or um fda and then that there's a lawyer who's very interested in the sccs the sec has these administrative proceedings where you don't really you don't get a jury you don't really have an independent judge because it's an administrative judge who's within the sec but you can lose your entire livelihood you know it's effectively criminal penalties when the constitution gives you a right to a criminal trial so she's had she actually has a case in the supreme court um and we have another lawyer who's very interested in land use cases so uh, she has a client in colorado who um his he has a a property called Gold King Mine, and it was basically destroyed by the EPA. They like <laughs> tried to do something on it, blew a, a hole in the mine, and created this environmental catastrophe, and then made him pay for it. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. So it's so yeah. So the cases sort of just depend on you know what people's interests are, what they want to bring, and um, but we have done quite a bit of COVID-related litigation. Well, it seems to be the um, not to be over dramatic, but it seems to be the test case and on whether or not there are constitutional limits to um, the these permanent unfireable bureaucrats that that Absolutely. seem yeah. to just flout the constitution left and right. Yes, they do. And I mean, one of my big gripes is, you know, for instance, the CDC does not have rulemaking authority delegated by Congress. It's it's supposed it can issue guidance. That's it. Um, but it's its guidance is treated as law. So when the CDC says everybody should get vaccinated, naturally immune people should get vaccinated, um, uh, people should wear a mask, that's like the federal mask mandate was uh, ostensibly because the CDC said everyone on federal transportation should have to wear a mask. That can't that can't be a law. But then you can't go to court and challenge it because they say, oh, it's just guidance. It's not a law. So right. they get to have a, it both ways. <laughs> right. yeah. And this is, this is insane. And I hope that concept somehow gets to court. I've been trying to think of how to frame it. 
um, like, how do I get to court to challenge that concept? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, that's um, and and perhaps uh, uh, Senator Rand Paul will help you. I, I'm I'm thinking about Fauci now. I, I haven't actually yeah. had a chance to talk to anybody on my show about Fauci's announcement that he will retire. I guess uh, December 31st. Yeah. Um, conveniently, before. Oh, yeah. Um, some sort of congressional shakeup yeah. is, is surely going to happen. Um, but he goes on, and it, it's, it's fantastic, uh, fantastical because he will say things like, he'll go on TV and say things like, I never advocated for lockdowns. Yeah. And I'm like, you did like a thousand times. Yeah. And you did so, and again, going back to this, like, it's just guidance, right? Yeah. I'm just the That's president's it. advisor. Yeah. I'm just the head of NAAD. I just happen to have all of my trophies and media hits laid yeah. out on the NIH website, but I, I can't be held accountable for anything I said. This, this table's ridiculous. Um, uh, no, yeah, no. And did you see the other day he said that no children had been harmed by lockdowns? None. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just unbelievable. I, I don't like this. Um, and I used to chalk this up to, you know, speaking of, of um, I'm saying too, this is too nice for him, but really smart scientists at NIH probably had blinders on and absolutely focused on the one thing that they mm -hmm. were supposed to deal with. How do we deal with this pandemic? And they didn't consider, and I talked to, with Jay about this quite yeah. a bit, they didn't, they didn't consider... The, the economic devastation um, and the link between economic performance and human health. These are, right. these, these are not debatable no. things. This is a real thing. Um, so I, I go back and forth, like, are we, are we trying to break the system? Um, is this some sort of uh, reset kind of goal that Fauci has? Because he's written some pretty nutty stuff yeah. about, about imagining this, this beautiful world back in the day before we traveled because pandemics were in check. Um, yeah. So he, he doesn't seem to like airplanes yeah. and he doesn't seem to like modern international trade and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just economic ignorance or if he's got something else going on. Yeah, I don't know. That, I, I, I'm not sure what his motivation is. <laughs> I, But I mean, sort of to, your, to the point you just made, I mean, that's also why we don't have agencies. I mean, one reason agencies don't have uh, the authority to make laws, they also don't have it because Congress writes the laws, not agencies, supposedly. Um, but, you know, it's bureaucrats who tend to have sort of tunnel vision about one thing, that their job is to control a virus. Okay, that's all they're going to think about. They did a really bad job with that alone. But as you said, they're not taking into account collateral consequences, whereas like elected officials, they have constituents to answer to. Um, they don't just have sort of one thing to think about one mission and you know so that's a reason that agencies agencies should not have this power i will say it's i'm not a very optimistic person but we've we've won a lot recently and i think the tide is starting to turn i mean it helps that the supreme court is now yeah. more yeah, <laughs> conservative the, but it it strikes me that that things that would have been toss-ups seem more obvious now hopefully yeah when, when they get to the supreme court yeah um, yeah hopefully knock on wood I'm, I'm i'm sure there's all sorts of uh weak links in the yeah no it's not perfect but <laughs> yeah. but yeah i i've i'm sort of seeing a sort of shift towards questioning a lot of this uh like for instance are you i don't know if you're aware of chevron deference that's one of the big issues you right. know 
where uh, the courts defer to the agency's interpretation, um, which is sort of, we contend, uh, I think rightly, that uh, that means the courts aren't really doing their job because they're <laughs> the court's not supposed to defer to any party. Um, but they haven't even been citing Chevron recently, which in a, in a good way, like they've been sort of trying to ignore it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is... Yeah, you know, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so here's another nutty conspiracy theory that's going to get us totally um, <laughs> kick, kicked off of whatever we post this on. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know any, virtually nothing about the substance of the 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 raid on Trump's oh, house. Oh yeah. Um, of course, of course, as far as I can tell, it was all redacted, so we yeah. pro- probably don't know anything anyway. But interestingly, this, this deals with Chevron. Interestingly, I think about a week before the FBI raided Trump's house, there was this article in Political or Axios, something like that, um, exposing that all of these Trump operatives have this plan based on the executive order dealing with the administrative state um, to execute this if if Trump should become president again. Oh, huh. Um, And the timing was interesting to me. Yeah. Um, And I, I don't, again, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not even a Trump guy. Yeah. Um, I never have been. But the timing between A and B struck me as as interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't put it past them at all. I mean, now we know the Hunter Biden laptop thing. And I'm also not a Trump person, but they obviously, it's clear that the government made it so that the election wasn't fair. I mean, it seems yeah. likely Trump would have won if that hadn't yeah. happened. So. <laughs> At Kibbe on Liberty, freedom is a lifestyle 24-7, something you live and breathe and wear every day. If that describes you, you need the very best Liberty swag in the market today, just like this shirt I happen to be wearing. Go to freethepeople.org KOL and check out our exciting merch. You too can love Liberty and look cool. And I, um, I also know that... Um, um, it's possible that Trump, like other politicians, will say they're going to do something to get elected and right. possibly not do it. Right. <laughs> maybe, Happens maybe, occasionally. Maybe, maybe we get a strike for that <laughs> wisdom. Uh-oh. So what's what's the timing on this case? I'm, I'm sorry, I've gone down these silly rabbit holes. What's the timing on this case? Um, and how do you think it's going to play out? What are the next steps? Um, so we're so right now the court is going to rule on the joint statement. So we're in a discovery dispute, basically. The reason uh, all we released all these documents is they're attached as exhibits to our uh, dispute. So each party writes why they think that <laughs> their position is correct. So uh, they, for instance, the government doesn't want uh, Anthony Fauci to have to answer questions or turn over any documents. That's sort of the main point point of dispute we're arguing they should we each put our positions in and you know ours ends up being like 30 pages with uh i think uh, hundreds of pages of attachments because we're like well we didn't know about this even you know we had to get to discovery to know about this this is why we need to yeah (laughs) um so it's ended up revealing a lot of uh a lot of information so the judge will rule on that hopefully in our favor because i think anthony fauci should (laughs) be subject to discovery um and his email should be and uh you know i Think that there will be valuable information there. It's in a preliminary injunction posture, so this was an emer- sort of an emergency motion, but it's taken a long time because uh, discovery takes a long time, yeah, <laughs> yeah. even at this t- time. So I'm not sure exactly what the timing will be. Um, I really, I hope that the press covers this because I think it's really important that Americans understand what's going on at the very least. So I wonder, I'll, I'll send you an article, I can't remember who wrote it, but someone sort of piecing together this, this bioterrorism um, 
war on terror type role that that mm -hmm. Fauci has. I, I wonder if the circling of the wagons around Fauci is in fact part of that because if you if you drag him out, um, it exposes all sorts of other, um, I, I think, unethical behavior. But oh, could, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, so I'm sure yeah. there's lots of unethical behavior. Sh shocking, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, First Amendment. Why? Why should we care? Like, isn't it? It seems like we've lost any interest um, in defending the First Amendment over the last three years, and it's not just COVID. It seems to yeah. be a perfect storm of all these things. The ACLU, which I used to love, is now um, just totally abandoned yeah. that cause. Yeah. Um, are you optimistic? Um, are you? No, I don't. I don't death? know. Uh, neither. I I know the future is always, you can never predict it. So I know whatever happens, I'll have no way to even guess. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I hope we win the case. But obviously, as you've identified, there's a larger problem, which is that people don't seem to care anymore. Um, and the First Amendment is, it's extremely important. It's how you have a free society to be able to debate ideas and, um, you know, Sometimes people say wrong things, as we discussed, and sometimes people act on that information and bad things happen, but that's the price you pay to live in a free society, um, not one where the government dictates who's heard and who's silenced. That happens in my house every day. <laughs> and my wife would point out that I'm the one always saying the wrong things, but I, I just can't imagine living in a world where people don't say the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Because we're people. Yeah, I... I I don't know what these people are thinking. I mean, I really want to know what's going through their heads, you know, when they, I mean, what is going through Fauci's head when he's telling uh, Twitter they should take down Alex Berenson? I mean, <laughs> does, I, has, I, I guess maybe he hasn't read the Constitution. I don't know. Well, this, this was a different conversation I had with Matt Ridley, and it struck me that, that efforts to um, even go after him and try to suppress early on the narrative that this wasn't from oh, this virus wasn't from a wet market. Yeah, it might have come from a lab. Yeah, um, which to me, like, and I, I'm sure this. We're, I don't know if we're allowed to say this or not, but it seems pretty obvious now that um, that's a credible theory. Yeah, that it came from a lab. Yeah. But the the reason, one of the reasons I find it more credible was this coordinated response um, within NIH, particularly to try to trash and suppress and demonize that story. Yeah. Like, why why this oversized response if you guys have nothing to hide? Yeah, um, because they probably do have something. Yeah. <laughs> That's my theory. Well, we got, we got to keep digging, and, uh, yeah. and I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing, and um, let's have you back on when you win at the Supreme Court. <laughs> okay, sounds great. Okay, so t uh, tell people where they can find you and your organization and anything that they might want to check out. Yeah, uh, the organization is nclalegal.org. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at uh, leftylockdowns1 is my handle, long story. <laughs> I get the handle, it's a little weird. Um, and yeah, that's about it. And uh, you're you're back on Twitter? Yes, Are you yeah. Twitter I was, jail? Yeah, I was only locked out, well, it, it was weird. I just got a message saying you're locked out, and then you click or take the following steps to reactivate your account start and I just hit start and then I was back in so I was weird but I, it's, I guess it's my strike one so now I have to be more careful the chilling effect <laughs> yeah I mean it's I was making a joke like I mean I, I can attest the chilling effect is there I don't I don't want to get kicked off Twitter I know it's like 
kind of silly, but I find it really important for sharing information and ideas. And, uh, you know, <laughs> in this age, it is the way that people do that. Yeah, true. And, and nothing, nothing that's not sort of like a conservative echo chamber has emerged right, as an alternative. Exactly. Yeah, I tried Getter and then I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't like, I mean, it's not even my choir, but it feels like preaching to the choir. Well, exactly. Yeah. And on that, it's definitely not mine, but like on the topics that I'm there for, it is. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.